Welcome to episode four in our inaugural series of the Business is Good podcast entitled Good Placeology, where we're investigating and discussing the foundational elements of good place and good place organizations. As always, my name is Chris Young and I serve as the president of the Good Place Institute. I love having coffee in these conversations with my good friend and colleague, our chief marketing officer here at Good Place Holdings, Josh Mitchell. Welcome back, Josh. Thank you very much. In episode three, we answered the question, why the Bible in business? And we talked about deriving our definitions, principles, and values from God's word in his Bible in order that we can have accuracy and integrity, which is always our desire. Uh, we want we want to understand this overall storyline or this meta-narrative of the Bible and how we derive these definitions and principles and values and not just justify or proof text our own thoughts about it, um, but also relate it to work and organizational and life um, and business because that's our context. So welcome. Uh, let's grab our coffee. Uh, we'll join this conversation as friends who lead businesses and organizations, and we'll jump into this episode four of Good Placeology. Thanks, Chris. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. And uh, just a little bit of a recap. Um, what actually, I'm going to di- diverge a little bit. I, I just want our audience to know that you know I wish that this was on video because. To get to see Chris's passion when it comes to talking about all of these items that we're talking about, even the past and even in, in the near future, um, it, it's encouraging for me. Like, and I, I so thank you for having me. Um, I do really enjoy this time, and I enjoy these conversations. So, one of the things that we concluded with last episode was a few questions. One of them was, "What is a good place according to the designer of good places?" Uh, another question was. What is the designer's purpose for good places? Um, and the last one of all of the questions was, what is the overall storyline? And, and using some of your words is the meta narrative of the Bible. And what does it say about the purpose and design of human life, work, and the life in an organization in these good places? Um, there's, a, there's a lot to cover there. Uh, I, I'm always excited. I've, I've heard this a couple times even from you, and we've had these conversations. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive in and, and have this conversation with our audience. Uh, so I'm going to kind of turn it back over to you to kind of lead us through these questions and kind of how we concluded last episode. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And a lot of what we're going to talk about, um, many of, I think, our audience has heard a lot of it before. Um, we're going to use kind of a four-part storyline, or sometimes this is known as the four-chapter gospel or what have you. But when, when I grew up and somebody said, hey, will you, will you share the good news? You know, I learned just two parts of it. And I think maybe that's true for many of us. Uh, and the two parts of the good news, it kind of went this way. Uh, hey, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And the bridge that crosses that great chasm, that great divide, uh, is the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is so, so, so very true and so, so very weighty and awesome. Um, and if I may, or if we may, uh, I'd also like to suggest it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to unpack this, and, and, and I always call this, this is the briefest storyline of the Bible that you'll ever, you'll ever listen to. Maybe it's brief, maybe it's not so brief, of trying to storyline 66 books in the library that's called the Bible, right? So, so the four-part good news or the four chapters of, of our storyline, we're going to start with creation. 
you know, the Bible doesn't start with sin. It starts with creation, you know, in the beginning, in Genesis, in the beginning, God, and says God created. Well, you know, what did he create, right? He created the material world, everything we see in it. And it, pretty much after every day he created, whether you're a new earther and an old earther, <laughs> at the end of each of his created per- creation periods, he says it was good, good, right? And then at the very uh, you know last part of what he created, I would call this maybe the epitome of creation, he creates human beings. And then he looks back at all that he created and he says it's very good, right? Right. And so what we try to look at and say, hey, what's good and very good about it? And this is not rocket surgery either. Where do we get this idea of good place? Well, it's it's what's good and very good about what God has created and what God defines as good and very good and kind of what we talked about last in our last episode. Mm-hmm. So what's good and very good about it? Well, all of this creation, it points to God's glory, but the cool transaction, which we I think we've talked about too, that which brings God the most glory, to paraphrase our pastor friend John Piper, also brings us the most joy and flourishing and shalom. So what did these good people have when they were placed in this good place? Well, they brought God glory and they got flourishing joy and shalom, yeah, right? right? And so we hear stories in the Bible about what was going on in the garden. But ultimately, I think... And again, for those theologians that are listening, I know this is going to be completely incomplete. So if you want to have a more complete answer, um, text me or call me or, or whatever, and we'll be happy to get into this. I know I'll get a ton of questions, but but it's this idea, if we could sum it up in one word, perhaps, of what's good and very good about creation and the epitome of creation, human beings, uh, it's this idea of shalom. Yeah, do you, and you, you say that with a lot of confidence when you say shalom. Uh, for our audience, could you just, I, I know that we got four parts here, and this is just the first part. Could you just expound just a little bit on what you mean by shalom? Love to. <laughs> um, you know, commonly, it, shalom is a Hebrew word. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's a greeting, and, and, all, and it's usually translated as peace. Okay. Uh, but uh, just like with trying to translate, you know, Hebrew or even, even Greek into one English word like love, it, it, you know, there's, I, I think somebody said there's like six actual words for our one word love, depending on, you know, what the context is and the purpose of, of what you're talking about. Anyway, uh, shalom, it does mean peace, mm-hmm. but it's deep-rooted. An author called it scuba diving peace, you know, and I love that. We can unpack that later. Um, it's joy, it's flourishing, it's completeness, it's thriving, it's justice, it's beauty. You know, it's it's John ten ten. Mm-hmm. Why did Jesus come? He came to, that you could have life and life to the full. It's fullness, yep. you know. And one of the phrases that I like to use, and I, and I stole this from a very very good pastor friend of mine, as he was describing shalom, it's harmony. It's harmonious relationship with God. It's harmonious relationship with self and others. And it's harmonious relationship with creation. In our context, with work. Yeah. And so sometimes this is called the cultural mandate. God gave them some guidance, some instructions. Hey, that which I gave you, that which I entrusted to you, which is good and very good, go manage it. Go steward it. Go multiply, you know, um, uh, work it and keep it, tend it, all those things, right? Go build society, go build culture. That's what they were asked to do. So if I'm, if I'm reading between the lines here, I think what you're saying is we were created to work and work was supposed to be good. It was, it's exactly what we're designed to do. Right. So, 
So that's creation. That's chapter one. Well, we know we don't live in chapter one, right? Mm-hmm. We live somewhere else. And, and this, this is kind of, you know, we got to get there, right? So chapter two, you know, in, in Christian land, uh, this is called the fall. But you know, what is that? So we like to call it the problem. Mm-hmm. So there's a problem here. Well, when God was talking to those good people that he put in that good place, he kind of said this. Hey, this is my paraphrase. You know, hey, you can kind of have run of the joint. Again, go tend it and keep it and enjoy it and flourish and, and all of that, right? Just don't do one thing. And you can read what that one thing is if you if anybody wants to go back and read Genesis. Um, and so my, my little analogy, if, if those, of, those of us or those of you who were fortunate enough to have, you know, grandparents and your parents maybe one summer afternoon dropped you off at, at grandma and grandpa's house and for, for babysitting or whatever, and, and they said, hey, you know, you can play in the yard, you can play in our house, just, just don't go in that one room. We're human beings. That's where, where I want to go. That's where I want to go. <laughs> well, that's where all the presents are at, or that's where Grandpa keeps that cool collection of whatever. You know, that's what we wanted to do. We have this rebellious nature about ourselves for some reason. So this is where I say this is where it gets all Narnia on us because the Bible describes that a serpent shows up and starts asking questions of these good people. Did God really say that? You know, and if, if you don't mind me paraphrasing, um, it starts to put doubt in their minds. Does God really have my best interest in mind? Does he really love me? You know, because if he did, he wouldn't be trying to keep this one thing from me, this really good thing, which is known as the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Well, they went and did that one thing, right? And so they, they, uh, they, they did gain the knowledge, not just the intellectual ascent kind of knowledge, but I don't know if this is the right term, but like the visceral, internal, experiential knowledge mm-hmm. of good and evil. And now they know Right. And so we don't like to use this word anymore, but that's what sin is. You know, if you fast forward to Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 23, subsection B, (laughs) it says, hey, anything done without faith is sin. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They operated outside of faith. They believed an untruth about who God is or what he was trying to do. And so they operated in their own faith, if you will. Right. Setting themselves up as their own decision makers and God. So anyway, um, so what were the consequences of this? Well, we call it dishalom. Yeah. Now we have disharmony. We have broken relationship with God. You know, they tried to hide themselves from God. We have disharmony uh, and disharmonious relationship with ourselves and each other. They tried to hide themselves from each other with clothes, right. you know, yeah. and certainly we have disharmony now with, with creation. And again, in our context with work, yeah. um, work becomes cursed. It becomes, I can just imagine, you know, all of a sudden it becomes hot and it was agrarian culture. So it becomes hot and sweaty and, and weeds and rocks. And it became very, very difficult to tend this very fertile earth because, you know, we kind of messed it up. That's yeah. the problem. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yep, yeah, for sure. So I think when we move on from, because, you know, we, we know we experience some of that problem, right? And I think everybody on the planet, I think, would not describe our current living conditions as as perfect or ideal, right? So I think everybody's going to agree that, yes, there is a problem with humanity, mm-hmm. right? We might not, not agree the, the biblical root cause of that problem, but we're all going to agree that there is a problem. Yeah. So then we're going to move into chapter three. Okay. In chapter three, and we like to call it, we like to say this, hey, anytime there's a problem, we're hopeful that there's a solution. Absolutely. Now, again, in Christian land, this is known as redemption. And sometimes I try to stay away from Christian-y words because 
nobody outside of Bible readers know what they mean. Right. So we're going to call this we're going to call this the solution, okay. the solution to our problem. So anytime you have a solution, you know we, we want to define it. So let's just say it's an ideal. It's an ideal destination that solves our problem. So and again, I know I'm going to oversimplify this, but. We're going to just talk about, hey, there's two really basic worldviews to solve the problem of humanity, right? So worldview number one, and I'm going to suggest that this is the predominant worldview of our day, whether you're a religious person or you're not a religious person, this is pretty much the the predominant worldview. And it says, hey, um, the solution is an ideal. And if you can kind of picture a ladder and and people are at the bottom of the ladder and our ideal solutions at the top of the ladder, um, the ideal of of worldview number one is just climb the ladder of good. Mm -hmm. Just keep getting gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder until you reach the solution. Well, there's two problems with that, as I can see it. Uh, Maybe there's more. Uh, Number one, in that worldview, the ideal is never defined. What is the ideal? We have a lot of ideas about how to fix the problem, but we don't ever define the destination of the ideal of what we're trying to get to. Right. You know, or number two, that ideal keeps changing. Yeah. It changes with generations. It changes with culture. It changes. It changes. Yeah. Right. Because we're so much more, you know, we're so much smarter today than we were 100 years ago. For sure, right? So that's problem number one with with worldview number one. Problem number two, as we kind of see it with worldview number one, is we're never going to get there anyway. Mm-hmm. We're we're never going to reach the ideal. This undefined, changing thing will never be gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder enough, yeah. right? But we all think you know if we just get the the right people in the room, if we just get the smart people in the room, if we just get the right governments involved, we can solve our problem with humanity. Which I would say, if I was, if I can interject a little bit, a lot of that is short-term memory or short-term go- short short-term goals. Uh, we never look at the long term. Uh, so, we, like you said, we can actually solve it in the short term, but it will that ladder will just keep getting taller and taller because we will set new ideals because we accomplish what we thought was the end goal. Exactly. Com- yeah. Great. Great. Great point. So let's move on to. Um, worldview number two and and honestly this is the only um this worldview is only espoused in the bible Mm -hmm. and and kind of the way we like to um segue into this is to say hey just because the problem is in the world doesn't mean the solution has to be in the world either right so let so worldview number two let's take the two problems uh that we saw with worldview number one and try to attach them with to worldview number two and we'll kind of unpack it real quickly so Worldview number two, as described in the Bible, um, it does set the ideal. It does define the ideal. Now, it uses funky words like holy and righteousness and all that sort of thing. Uh, The simple word I like to use is perfection. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. You have to be perfect to solve the problem with humanity. Yes. Okay. Can anybody be perfect? No. Right. Oh my, so worldview number two, at least right now in our conversation, it solves problem number one, but doesn't solve problem number two. In fact, the Bible describes us all as having falling short. Mm-hmm. We all fall short. Yep. We're never going to be good enough to reach this ideal, let alone this ideal of perfection that the Bible uh, defines. So the solution of the Bible. Here we go. Here we go. What if the solution is outside of us? 
what if we don't strive to be gooder and gooder and gooder to be perfect? What if perfection comes to us? Just think about that for a moment. What if, what if perfection comes to us and this mysterious transaction takes place where we get to be perfect even though we don't do perfect? Yeah. And we just receive this perfection out of nothing that we could have done. So we don't boast, right? No, 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 no performance, no good works, no being gooder and gooder and gooder could earn us this. It's a gift of perfection. And yes, perfection has a name, right? His name's Jesus, right. who lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, who, who died the death that we should have died to pay the debt of our problem, right? And then it, the Bible says he rose again so that we could have life and life eternal. I like to phrase it this way. So we can hang out with Jesus now and forever. Yep. Yeah. And I would even say that. There, there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about just in that idea of that before we get to just Jesus and what He did for us. I think part of the problem, and we don't need to get into this. I know we'll talk about this later. Is the idea of just receiving this? Yes. I, I think we, as a culture, we have a hard time receiving anything that's not produced by ourselves. Right. Um, some are better than than others, uh, but that at the core of it, that's that's what it is. It's receiving something that we never earned, and, and something that we need. And sometimes we don't even know we need it, right? right? Because we haven't acknowledged maybe this problem, yep. right? Yep. So not to completely belabor this, but just, just if you can indulge me just for a second. <laughs> I, I liken this to maybe it's your birthday, maybe it's Christmas time, and somebody you know and love gives you like this perfect gift, you know, that this gift that that had so much thought, so much love, so much care that went into it, and, and they give it to you, right? And you look at it, you don't put it aside, you open it up and you, you look at, you know, you open up the gift, you unwrap it and you, and you, you pull it out and you, and you look at it and you go, how did you know me so well? Right. Thank you so much for putting all this thought to this, this gift I needed or this gift I really, 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 really love, you know, and only someone who knew me really, really well could have gotten me this gift. Right. And then you put the gift down and you look at that person and you say, thank you. <laughs> And that's the Christian life, Josh, and we know that, right? Right. We say thank you with the rest of our life. So so what are the consequences? So we said the consequences of this problem is dishalom. Well, the consequences of worldview number two of accepting this perfection of Jesus and and all that that encapsulates, right? Mm -hmm. We get our shalom back. Right. Only this time it's partial, but we do get back excuse me, our harmonious relationship with God. We get it back. We get a harmonious relationship with ourselves and each other. In fact, the Bible describes what that should look like. It should look like our love for one another. We should be known by our love for one another if we espouse worldview number two. And then we get back our shalom with creation. In this case, with, with work. We're trying to make work good again. We're trying to redeem work. So hopefully this is becoming clearer and clearer about the purpose of good place and good place organizations, making work good again, mm-hmm. bringing back the original purpose of work, which was to make the world a better place. Right. Right. Yep. So 
chapter four. This will be <laughs> very quick. Here we go. So, so chapter one's creation. Chapter two, the problem. Chapter three is the solution where we experience partial shalom because of Jesus. And then chapter four comes around because the Bible says Jesus is going to come again and he's going to make all things new and he's going to make things perfect. So we get perfect shalom, mm-hmm. perfect harmonious relationship with those three entities that I mentioned. Complete fulfillment, complete joy, complete all of that forever right for those of you who want to hang out with jesus right (laughs) so that's kind of the four chapter gospel i know we went through that very very quickly yep we need to talk about this for we need to keep talking about this because there is there's a lot in here um one of the things i'll keep coming back to is the idea of we in our own conversations we've talked about redeeming work or making work good again. Um, I I want to be clear to our audience that that doesn't mean that work is easy. There's a big difference between easy and hard. There will always be hardships that come, but the reason why we work and what we're trying to actually accomplish changes, um, and that's the goal of that, and that's a goal of good place a good place organization. So uh, Chris, I, I always, I, I always enjoy conversations with you. You challenge me. I think you challenge our audience, uh, with a different way of thinking about things. So thank you very much for inviting me back into this conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to continue this conversation into in further episodes. Definitely. And so one of the reasons why we wanted to share, you know, again, what is the Bible? What does this good news have to do with organizations? Because certainly we're not trying to create organizations where everybody uh, espouses worldview number two. We've got all kinds of worldviews. We love that. We actually have a phrase here where we want people to belong and feel like they belong right. to a community because, you know, why? Because it is a community of love, of meaning, of fulfillment. Who doesn't want that? Yep. And work doing work the way we design, we were designed to do work actually brings that about, brings about purpose and meaning and all of that and creating an environment where you do care for each other. You do love each other in a workplace setting. So, so that becomes the baseline and everything we do should be founded on that kind of storyline of the Bible. So anyway, Hey, thank you so much for joining us uh, for our coffee conversation. Uh, I do love talking with Josh. He challenges me too, because he, he lives this out every day. He lived it out in his former uh, organization that he had an opportunity to lead for so many years. And um, I know the, the, the members of that organization who have gone on to do wonderful, wonderful things have taken this idea of, of human flourishing uh, to other workplaces and actually started other businesses. So yeah, he, he positively challenges me as well. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode four in our series called Good Placeology. Uh, We hope you get a better understanding as we move along here of the storyline of the Bible. Uh, Continue to connect these foundational principles to good place, to the purpose of good place organizations. We just love spending this time uh, together with you. Uh, We hope you look forward to our next time where we'll grab a cup of coffee and we'll talk a little bit more about good place. Good place.